Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahirrabbilalemin. Ve salatu ve selam ve ala Muhammed ve ala aleyhi ve sabihi ve selim. Dear beloved Muslims, highly praised and glorified is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The prayers and the peace be on Muhammad the Prophet. <coughs> Allah's, <coughs> excuse me. Prayers and the peace be on Muhammad the Prophet, our Prophet, Allah's messenger and servant to mankind. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Dear beloved Muslims, on this beautiful day of Eid, Eid Mubarak to you all. And uh, also we had the Eid prayer earlier, around 9 o'clock, 9 to, to noontime. That's the prescribed time, actually from sun sunrise, dawn time, to uh, uh, noon. And now it f fell on Friday, so also we have Juma. Actually, we have Juma every, we don't miss a Juma because that is one of the five principles of our religion, and uh, we have to adhere to that every week. And we have another principle in our religion which is very important, and actually it's referenced, the, the, the Eid is referenced from the Hajj. You know, it's uh, the conclusion of the Hajj, we have the Eid. And the Eid is a feast and a celebration of prayer and things commemorating those uh, principles or the uh, efforts that we went through during the time of the Hajj. And this is also, as I mentioned, the fifth principle of our religion. And many of us, you know, we study the religion, we say we believe and we understand the prayers and we understand charities and things of that nature. But a lot of us don't really have a full understanding of what the Hajj really means. And this is something that we are prescribed to do at least once in our lifetime if we could afford it. If we can't afford it, then quite naturally, you know, we're not obligated. And seeing that we have the coronavirus now, then the Hajj is limited. I don't believe anybody came from out of this country going to Hajj or any other country because it's very limited. Actually, during the time of the pilgrimage when I went, 2003, we had maybe two million people. And maybe if you have a couple of thousand now, that's, that may be a lot. I'm not sure. But at any rate, it's fulfill, fulfill, fulfillment or to fulfill that obligation. And if you made intentions to go to Hajj and you never make it in your lifetime, then keep in mind that all matters are judged by intent. Whatever you intend, alhamdulillah. If you make it, alhamdulillah. If you don't, it's, it's as if you had made it. And Allah quite naturally is the best knower. So these are rituals that we perform in Hajj or the pilgrimage. And for a basic understanding, I'll just go over a few. <clears throat> First of all, as I mentioned, we make intentions. <clears throat> we make our intentions for Hajj in the year 2000 and 21 or whatever the case might be. And then we start our preparation, our study, trying to understand what the rituals mean and the different prayers that we perform. So we want to have some kind of idea of what we're doing when we get there, because believe me, it's a lot. And we're tired, we're hot, and all sometimes hungry, and then there's a lot of things that's absorbing our thinking, absorbing our mind. 
And once we make our intentions and we don our ikram, the ikram is the dress that we put or wear. For women, it's a full dress, white preferably, but any color is acceptable, the same way she dressed. And for the men, it's a piece of cloth that go over the top and a piece of cloth that cover, covers the bottom. No underwear, just the cloth. So you have to make sure that that's very secure, secured, right? And it's just like a baby coming back to its mother. And you say, we say, when we, when we put on that ikram, we say, la beka la huma la beka, la beka la sharika la la beka. And what are we saying? We say, here I am, O Allah, here I am. In other words, Allah called us and we're responding, here I am. I'm dressed, I'm fitting for the occasion, right? So then when we get to, to Mecca at the Kaaba, we perform the tawaf. And tawaf is making seven circuits around the spiritual house, the house, uh, the, the origin, the human beginning, the black stone representing that. And uh, it represents a spiritual place, right? Seven, and we know that seven is where you reach your spiritual height. Anytime we see the number seven in religion, that's the highest you can go. As a matter of fact, that's where Abraham went when uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad made the ascension. Who did he find on the seventh level? He found Ibrahim, and Ibrahim was with God, alhamdulillah. So all of these things have significance. And Imam Warranty Muhammad, I believe we were very fortunate to have him because we're not emotional, an emotional community of people. We are a logical, looking for understanding, reasoning, right? And we put our trust in Allah and utilize the facility that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. So our eyes have to be wide awake. We have to examine everything that we see in Hajj. I made it very clear when I went to Hajj. I didn't come out to hang out, talk about the people back home and things of that nature. Matter of fact, I separated myself and I observed everything that I possibly could. And I came to some very serious conclusions based on that. I didn't come there for anything of the material world. I didn't come there for people or whatever the case. I came there for here I am, O Allah, here I am. And what did I bring? I brought my heart, I brought my spirit, and I allowed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give me the answers for that that I was seeking. And quite nicely, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The spiritual father, Ibrahim. And then when we go throughout the different rituals, and another ritual is drinking the Zamzam water. The Zamzam water is water that sprung up in the time of Hagad and her son Ishmael. Hagad was the wife of Ibrahim. And she had a baby, and he left her in the desert so she can learn to trust Allah. I, I remember when I first read that, I said, whoa, that's a difficult trial. He left her out in a barren desert with a little bit of food and a little bit of water. And when she ran out of water, she started running back and forth between two hills called Safa and Mawa. She was looking for sustenance for her, her baby. And then at the foot of her heel, after she exhausted herself, the spring sprang up. Spring, water. Water sprang up from under the ground. And that, that well that sprung up in the time of Ibrahim, or Hagar at that time, is still running today. And scientists predict that there's no end to the spring. 
Where did it come from? How long it lasts? They don't know. That's a blessing and a gift from Allah. So we, we experience that. We, we run to and fro. We run between the two hills. And, you know, not running all the way. Some we, we go a quicker pace and then we walk and we do another quicker pace. But we get the feeling of what Hagar went through in her lifetime searching for sustenance for her child, uh, Ishmael, her baby. And this is the water Zamzam. You, we drink the water. We, we, we taste it. doesn't taste like water that we drink out of a faucet or bottled water or whatever the case. It tastes a different experience altogether. It's not a taste that you get used to, but once you drink it a, a, a few times, then you find yourself in the middle of the night leaving your hotel, going down to the spring or the well to get some Zamzam water. Alhamdulillah, Rabbi Alameen. And then after we fill those obligations, <clears throat> we change to and we go to the city of Minna. Minna is a tent city where all of the pilgrims converge. And they have different tents for different nationalities. And uh, this is where we reside. And I believe we had, we had a large number, maybe 400 men in one tent, hot, sweaty, all of our baggage, etc. And these are the trials and tribulations that we go so we can experience something about what those prophets experienced in, in their time. It's very important. Deep reflection, right? Alhamdulillah. So we, we, we managed. We ate there. We slept there. The restrooms were outside. We were hot, we were bothered, we were tired, but we still had to hold on to the spirit. That's a pilgrimage, right? We don't go to pilgrimage for vacation. We go to pilgrimage, brother, to understand something, to understand things. The journey, right? It, like it says, it's not the, uh, it's not the journey, it's, not the, the pil it's the end of the journey. It's being on the journey, right? Everything on that journey is important for our understanding, alhamdulillah, and Allah knows best. So then when we leave the tent city of Minna, we board the buses, and actually when we were going to Minna on the bus, where it maybe had taken 20 minutes, maybe it was two, three hours. And I mean, when you go to Hajj, you better be patient. You better get your patience together because you might sit in crowds for long uh, periods of time patient. We can't blow up. We can't get angry with somebody because we're hot and bothered. We have to be patient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quite nasty knows but best. And we got on the bus after the next morning of Minna and then we started uh, out for Arafat. Many of us heard the Mount Arafat in the religion of Islam. Mount Arafat is the mountain or the mountain, yes, that Prophet Muhammad made his last sermon, the last sermon or the last message that Prophet Muhammad gave to mankind was on Mount Arafat. And our, our guide, he had instructed us that you can miss all of these other things, Safa, Mawa, uh, Tawaf, and drinking the Zam Zam and all the rest of these things. He said, but if you miss Arafat, you have missed Hajj. So what was he saying? That Arafat is the Hajj, alhamdulillah. So we, we converge on Hajj. Two million people in, in, the, in that valley, 
right? Everything in that surrounding area is considered to be Arafat. Tents all over the place. We go there, we make our salat, we eat food, and we have conversation, etc. And then once we leave Arafat, then we go into the desert, as did Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam in his time, and then we experience sleeping in the desert, the hot desert in the daytime, cold and windy desert at nighttime. Scorpions roam the desert. And I've heard many people say that they made Hajj on many occasions and they never even heard of a scorpion biting or attacking any pilgrim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah for that. And then while we're in, in Musdalifah or the desert, we pick up 40 nine stones or small pebbles, not big pebbles, small. We have to be selective. And we put them in our, our pouch, and then when we return back to Minna or the tent city, then we have to go out and stone the pillars, or the, they call it the devils, or stone the devils, or stone these pillars, three different size pillars, right? We do it on two occasions, seven stones at the first seven at the second, seven at the third. And keep in mind that these sevens are very significant in the religion of Islam. And then we stoning them with seven. We hit on each level. We hitting that small devil. Now, some people go there with the ignorance of mind as if they are really stoning a devil with anger. They have anger. They're throwing shoes. They're throwing water bottles. They're throwing, when they run out of pebbles, they're throwing everything they could throw. And you can see all of these objects down at the bottom that collects the stones, right? So it's, it's out of ignorance. But Imam Muhammad, Muhammad taught us that these devils that you're stoning is the devils within your own self. Alhamdulillah. Right? The small devil, the little devil, the insignificant devil, right? He said a medium-sized devil. You hit him with seven, right? And then that big devil at the end, right? Seven. Right? And all of these is in us. A little devilish person, brother. He might not act up in the public, but he just might act up when you're alone with him by yourself, offering you evil suggestions and things of that nature. And then later on, it's the big devil that carry out your small thinking. Alhamdulillah. So we have to be conscious of this. These are not rituals just for ritual's sake. These are rituals that we have to understand. Alhamdulillah. And Allah knows best. And then we go back at, a, at another period and do the same thing far as throwing the stones. And then we come, coming to the conclusion, we have to do other rituals, etc., repeat some. But the most important part coming up to Eid, what Eid represents, so the slaughter, is the slaughter, right? In the Holy Quran, we mentioned there's a part in the Holy Quran, and it's, it's talking about Ibrahim uh, and his son Ishmael. And it's in Surah 37, uh, verse 99 to 111, if we want to take a look at it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to his son <clears throat> Ishmael, he said, and I'm not reading from the Quran, I'm just some notes that I have here. He said, I will go to my Lord and he will guide me. And then he says, he asks for a righteous son. And he, he requested his request. It was requested. And when his son had reached 
the age of serious work, right? You know, some kids like to play around, fool around. But when he reached the age of serious work, he told his son, Ibrahim told his son, Ishmael, he said that I see in a dream that I sacrifice you, right? He said, now what is your view? And Ibrahim responded, <laughs> do as you commanded, you will find him steadfast. So now the father is telling his son that I see in a dream that I sacrifice you. Halal, anybody who know halal, they understand that means to slit the throat and let the blood drain out of the body, right? Because we know that he had a knife, etc. right? So he says, what is your view? Do as you are commanded. He will be steadfast. That was the response of his son. So these are two obedient servants. And you know, when I first looked at that, you know, I couldn't see as far back as Abraham and Ishmael, but I have sons. I said, well, now how would I respond to that? It's a test of faith. How would I? Would, it, would, would my faith hold up if I had to place a knife to my son's throat with the intentions of cutting his throat? Could I, would, could I do that? Matter of fact, all of us, you know, we say we can do it and all, but if we confronted with it, what would we do? It's a test, right? Sacrifice, right? And this is the Eid. The Eid is about the sacrifice, the sacrificing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires. He said Allah called out to him when he was getting ready. The knife is right on the throat. He's getting ready to cut the throat. And then Allah called out to him and says, O Ibrahim, you have already fulfilled the dream. Now, how did he fulfill the dream? He didn't cut the throat. He fulfilled the dream by having the desire to do it. He was willing to do it, right? Because it was the command of Allah deep into the, the recesses of his soul. Something was telling him that you have to do this. And then Allah says, hold up. You have already fulfilled the dream. The willingness to do it was sufficient. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that that was only a trial. It was only a trial. So we go through many trials in our life, and we don't understand what it's all about. But if it has anything to do with obedience to Allah, righteousness, etc., and all of these kinds of things, then we have to understand that this is the command of Allah. And if we're willing to do it, we have already passed the test. Allah knows best. And then he told him to remove his son from the altar. He put him there to slaughter him on the altar to slaughter and then he said, and replace him with a sheep. Slaughter the sheep and feed the meat to his people. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And this is the Eid. This is what we do on the Eid. We go and we sacrifice a sheep and we feed the meat. We pass out the meat to the people. We did that in Hajj. We didn't actually slaughter the animal there. There were people who did it. And if you're talking about two million people, that's a lot of meat. Lambs cows, all kinds of animals, anything, everything except pork, right? Camel meat. I never tasted camel meat. Yes, I did because I did eat some of the meat. They mix it all together. And all of this meat, it's a sacrifice. It's sacrifice. We pay for the animal. It's sacrifice, and then they feed us a portion of what the sacrifice uh, represents. Remove your son and replace him with a sheep Slaughter the sheep and feed the meat 
to the people. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. You know, that, that sounds like something simple for us to understand. It's not like really deep or heavy. Just remove your son, take a sheep, put him there, and slaughter him and give the meat to the people, right? But Imam Muradi Muhammad, he takes us further than that. He tells us to, to reflect on everything that happened, the deeper meaning. Look for the deeper meaning, right? He says, and if you want to know the deeper meaning, then you have to study Allah's creation. What is the nature of whatever object Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about? A sheep. What is a sheep? A sheep is a passive, humble animal, right? He doesn't have any fight in him. He's a lovable, peaceful animal, right? And he's saying, Imam Muhammad said, what that represents for us is to sacrifice that sheepishness in your own self. Because Allah didn't create us as a religious community of people that we have been taught in the past. He said, we sheep, right? And then when we say we sheep, then all the wolves come out. They come knocking on our door, right? Selling us all kind of ridiculous furniture that don't hold up, right? Selling us inferior food, inferior housing, taking advantage of us in proper education. He said, he's just a sheep. He, he, he won't respond back. And this is the wolf. The wolf have his day. He said, have his day among sheep. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us through Imam Warathi Muhammad. He says, slaughter the sheepishness within your own self. All right, quite naturally, you have a balance. You know, we don't overextend ourselves. We humble in cases when we give our devotion, when we in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But I bet you one thing, you won't go to war as a sheep, right? You have to kill that. You have to kill that. When you're exerting yourself out in the society, you can't go out as a sheep. You know, we had religions that came before us, uh, namely Christian religion, and they sold that idea on the public. And look where it got us. Not to take a swipe at Christianity, but the Quran that came to correct all prior, uh, mis actually I'd say mistakes or purposely, purposefully mistakes, right? To correct these things. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, slaughter that sheep within your own self. The senses, your sensitivities, right? Your sheepish sensitivities. For anything, we give in to anything, right? Where is the fight? Where do we stand up? Where do we stand up to represent ourselves? A sheep don't stand up to represent itself amongst wolves. And if this society of this world of the shaitan could make us sheepish, this is why they're so successful. We wonder why we have a rich class of people, wealthy class of people, and then we have an impoverished class of people. And they're basically the sheep people, right? And I can say one thing about the Jewish people. They were poor, very poor, Warsaw, ghetto. We understand all of those things in, in the time of World War II. But I guarantee you one thing. They're not a sheepish people, right? They did the best they could to fight against that oppression and whatnot. And once that was over, they said, never again. Do that sound like a sheep? No. Don't sound like no sheep. Matter of fact, it sounds like an individual that's not going to be dominated by another people. So this is what these things are all about. Religion is all about. Religion means to be alive. And we are alive in our religion. So everything that we do, our prayers, the washing of voodoo, the 
the, the guzu, you know, the dua that we make before we eat, the juma prayer, the two e's that we perform, everything, every ritual, the study of the Quran, the, the ascension into heaven that Prophet made, you know, all of these things. Our minds have been so spooked up that we think that we're walking up in the sky somewhere on seven steps, right? We got to get out of that baby's thinking, baby language and religion, and we got to be rational. Study Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, wisdom. Study his design. Study the nature of things that he designed. And in everything, it's a message. Actually, one heavy message that we came in contact early on in the Bible and in our religion, he said, Jesus is only a sign. What is he a sign of? The word and the spirit of God. So when a Christian say, that they have Jesus in their heart, if they properly understood that, we all do. If you're righteous people, if you're a Muslim, you have the spirit of Jesus in your soul. And Jesus is only a sign of the coming of Muhammad. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that. So we thank you for your patience, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless Muslims all over the world with health, with resources, with food, with energy, with development, alhamdulillah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them with a joyous occasion on this beautiful day of Eid. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Dear beloved Muslims, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for continuously blessing us to remain on the straight path. You know, Imam Warranty Muhammad, I think that I may have mentioned it, I mention it often, but Imam Muhammad gave a talk. It's in a book form. It says, Life, the last battlefield. Life, the last battlefield. And religion means to be alive. So what is that telling us? To be in life or the life that we are living in today is a battle. You're in a battle, right? Whether you make $20 a, a, a week or uh, $1,000 a week, right? You are in a battle. We're in a battle. And what are we in a battle for? We're in a, a battle for our life. And in other words, to return to the original life that God created. You look around you today and you see all kinds of people, all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of dress, the way women dress, the way men dress, the entertainment for men, the foods that they eat. That's not the life that Allah prescribed for human life. He didn't prescribe that. right? Satan prescribed that life. Because the life that Satan prescribed will take your natural life away. You know, it's just common practice now for people to have uh, sexual life, just lay around and have uh, people, they come on television and they sound like this, they're proud to have had 50 men. Most of them, they don't even know who they are, right? This is not the life that God prescribed, but we have went along for so long that we accept it, right? Why? What does it tell us? That if life is the final battlefield, then we're losing, 
the majority of us is losing the war. We're losing the battle. So all of these obstacles, and once you come back to your natural, original human self, then we would shun all of these things, all of these negative things that the shaitan puts before us. We would shun all of these things. So we have to reflect that. That's what Islam is. Islam is just not some building that we go in, right? We build a building, we put some carpets on the floor and things of that nature, right? And somebody call it a dawn, we say the prayer and think, okay, that's good. But the real masjid is the, the universe, right? And the dome for that universe is the heaven. Look, if you go out on the ocean and you look up from the horizon to horizon all around you, you can see it's a dome over us. It's a circular dome. And he said you can pray anywhere in the world just so long as it's clean. You can pray on the ground. You can pray on a ship. You can pray anywhere. He said the masjid, matter of fact, is the universe that you live on. Right? Alhamdulillah. And if we understand that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless us. This morning in closing, I went to the masjid here. I was late, but the, I made my, my own prayer, uh, two rakahs, the Eid prayer. And uh, it was just a good spirit to see Muslims coming back into the masjid. They had all of the separations. The tape was put down to make sure you don't come. And they had signs up saying no hugging and things of that nature. Because, you know, we like to shake and then hug each other and, things of that nature. But for the safety, for the safety of individuals' uh, health, no separations, not, none of these things. And the Muslim were communicating on the outside. I had the opportunity to meet some uh, sisters from, uh, uh, I believe they were they're from West Africa. I know I don't remember the country, but they had a, a nice, pleasant spirit, you know, and, and we want to get back into that. Not only when we go to the masjid, but we want to do this all of the time. We're just not African-American Muslims for African-Americans. We're we Muslims amongst Muslims all over the world. And a lot of people don't trust us. We're new into Islam. They read the newspaper. And every newspaper they read is always some black people or something doing something crazy, right? And, and this is an impression that they get. This is Shaitan selling the false impression of the African-American people because African-American people are growing in the religion of Islam. So when African-American come amongst people, there's already a, a negative opinion about him. And we want to we wanna combat that opinion. And we want to give them the best that we could give. Now, some of these people, whether they speak to us or whether they want to stand close to us in prayer or whatever the case, from different nationalities, that's their problem. But don't get hung up, brother on separating ourselves into small sects, little sects or little tribes or whatever the case might be. We Muslims with Muslims all over the world. And we want to be Muslims with Christians and Jews all over the world, alhamdulillah. And that's coming. We'll eventually be there because we're all the people of God. We read the same scripture. We, we, we worship God with all of the principles, Jews and Christians and Muslims in, in, in practice, we, we perform the same principles, right? Alhamdulillah. We might do it a little different, but in principle, it's all the same. Alhamdulillah. And Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, quite naturally, is the best knower. So we thank you for your time and your patience. And may Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, reward us in this life and also the afterlife. Kulhu Allahu ahad.
Allahu semer. Lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yakulahu kufawan. Aha. Kat kami tu salah. 